If you have your Bible or your phone, go ahead and open up to James chapter 1. Um, I, I entitled this message, Joyful Persevering Faith, largely because I'm not good at titles, and that's basically what this is about. Um, so at the very least, it'll be clear. Go ahead and stand up as we read the word of God together. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is God's word for us. You can be seated. Have you ever had one of those days um, where it just starts out bad and then it goes downhill from there, right? You, you wake up late because you mixed up AM and PM and then just, it, it's done. It's over. Things are going to go poorly. Uh, you get cut off on your way to work. Uh, you can't find the right pair of socks. You're, you're, you know, you, you get in a fight with, with uh, your spouse or, you know, your kids decide this is the day that they want to revolt and, and things become very difficult, um, you go to work and it's a long day. You have to deal with knuckleheads. And then uh, you come home and it's, it's an even longer day. Um, maybe it's not just one day. Maybe, maybe you've been through situations where it's been a week. And you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing. And you're waiting for Sunday or you're waiting for the holiday. Or you're waiting for after the holiday. We're all looking at Thanksgiving. And mo- some of us, I imagine, are, are waiting for after the holiday. Right? Just make it through Thanksgiving. Right? Deal with our, our, our lovely relatives that are coming to visit us. And then we'll have our Thanksgiving afterwards, right? Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's not just a week. Maybe it's months of pushing. Maybe you've been in a situation where you've been through trial after trial after trial, and this is a season that has extended into months or years. Maybe it's a family member who's walked away from God or a broken marriage or a rebellious child. But whatever the circumstance, the question remains, how Should you and I respond to these trials? How should we respond? You see, in in the book of James, he deals with a lot of very practical things. It's called, you know, the the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's very uh, pithy. Um, And in this passage, he's dealing very directly with how we ought to deal with trials. And he describes three ways um, that we are to address our trials. He talks about the disposition that we ought to have. Uh, one of great joy in the face of great trials. He talks about the reason we have this joyful disposition, right? When we talk about trials, the first thing that doesn't, that that pops to my mind is not usually, yay! But when, when God reorients the way we think, all of a sudden we have reason for joy. So he talks about that reason. And then finally, uh, he talks about our proper response. And, and really, that's just perseverance in the face of trials toward an end that we know that God is perfecting in us. So go ahead and look at your Bible at verse 2. In verse 2, James says that we ought to count it all joy, my brothers or my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. In other words, he says, hey, get happy about your difficult circumstances, Right? How many times have you had someone come to you and say, hey, you're going through a tough time. Isn't that great? Hopefully not very much. Maybe you just unfriend of that person. I'm like, you're kind of crazy. And, and the reality is 
when you read the Bible, there are these situations and these things that the Bible says that, that if you're being honest and you're, if you're paying attention, it ought to make you think, wait a, wait a second, right? That, that doesn't make any sense. You know what I like to count as joy? Pie, <laughs> right? I had, I had a raspberry, blackberry pie. My, my wife knows this. She bought me some pie. We had pie. It, it brought me joy very directly. Pie plus me equals joy, right? Candy. I like candy. Let's just be honest, guys, okay? You know, he's doing the workout. I'm doing the candy. We're just meeting him in the middle. Um, I like candy. My daughter and I, we get along because she likes candy. We have candy in our house from all these different events. Most of them from here, so you can blame Pastor David. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll just put bags of candy in places because our kids aren't supposed to eat them. And then we'll find, you know, my daughter and she'll, she'll have found some candy. And so I'll correct her, take the candy and eat it. Um, <laughs> right? These are the things that bring me joy. But, but what's crazy is that, that, that James is saying, take your difficult circumstances, take the, the problems that you have in life, take those things that, that cause you to cringe or, or to clam up or to feel that, that gut level uh, stress or that heart level brokenness. And, and he says, count it all joy. It's worth pausing here to recognize that God changes us by changing how we think, right? The Bible, it, it'll test, it'll reframe how you see the world, right? If, if you see the world the same way you've seen it for the past 10 years, and the Bible's done nothing to change you, there's something wrong. You're reading your Bible incorrectly. You see, when we read the Bible, um, and when God changes us, things that used to make sense to us before we were saved um, ought to seem kind of ridiculous now, right? The, the common sense, let's just do that. Now you're like, oh my word, I can't believe I don't tell anyone I did that. I mean, there's, there's grace, but, <laughs> but, but these things don't make any sense anymore. And then the things that would seem crazy to the world make sense to us. You give 10% to church for nothing? Like, what do you get in return? You know, okay, there's a tax refund. Okay, good. But you get 20%? What? You're trying to give, what? That doesn't make any sense, right? You, you serve this church. You, you go on Sundays. I like to sleep in on Sundays. So these are things that don't make sense to the world. But the longer that you are in this word, the more it ought to transform the way you think. And so we see one of those transformative um, words that James gives us. Can count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. And, and we'll see that there is a reason. It's not just craziness. But, but here he says, when we face trials of various kinds, uh, consider it a reason for jo- rejoicing. Two things. Um, first, he says when. And if you were like 18 or older, you understand why he would say when. Life is difficult. And the reality is we all face trials. Each and every one of us has our crucible. If you don't have that situation that has formed and shaped you through suffering, then you're likely to have it. I'm not trying to, to, to speak death over you or something like that. I'm not trying to be so superstitious, but the reality is we live in a broken world. And because of that, we have to face the reality that there are trials, not if, but when. And, and let's be honest. Let's have a realistic view of life. When Christ calls us to discipleship, he doesn't call us to a hunky-dory, let's go skipping downtown. I mean, this is a man who got, he got crucified. All his disciples, save for one, got 
martyred. One of them who didn't get martyred, he got sent to an island, right? The highlight of his day was having a crazy revelatory moment with an angel. It wasn't Disneyland, right? And so we need to recognize that, that it's when and be honest about that. Be honest with one another about that. I'm facing trials, right? If your friend comes to you, if your Christian brother or sister comes to you and says, I'm facing this, let's be honest and say, how can I help? Second, he talks about trials of various kinds, right? Um, When I read this, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, martyrdom or giving up everything, taking a vow of poverty, right? Religious persecution, loss of life or limb, right? These are the things where I'm like, these are the trials that God is going to call me to. But, but James isn't drawing any sort of distinction there, right? He says trials, and he means it in a very wide sense. The word for trials here really is any danger that threatens to take us off course in our Christian walk, right? So it could be as grave as cancer. It could be um, martyrdom in a missionary context, or it could just be learning to not be a jerk when you drive, yeah. Right? It could just be learning to control your temper. It could just be learning um, how to believe God in in these small things. Because when there are trials, they're not necessarily a small thing. So he says, various trials. Either way, whether it's large or small, we have a responsibility to be joyful. And and not, not even just a little bit joyful, right? It'd be one thing if you said, you know what? Look, look, there's a silver lining, right? There's a silver lining. Look for the good and all the bad, right? That, that's kind of worldly wisdom. People see you going through suffering and saying, well, you know, the, pretend like the glass is, is half full, you, you know, as you're experiencing, you know, physical pain and betrayal. And you're like, that's not helpful. You know, he says, count it all joy, count it all joy. And we're going to see that there is a real reason why we can count our whole trial all joy. Now, this is not to say um, your trials are good, right? When, when a child rebels, leaves the home and, and, and lives in a way that doesn't honor God, that's not a good thing. But because God is bigger than that, because he is sovereign, because he has the end in mind, we can say that through that trial, I can count it all joy because God is at work in every aspect of that. But he just, but God doesn't just give us this, this uh, command apart from any reason, right? That, that's the good news. This is not some sort of uh, call to be gluttons for punishment. There's a reason behind this. So let's look at verse 3. In verse 3, James gives the ground or the reason for the command he gave in verse 2. We are to count it all joy when we face trials of various kinds. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness. Uh, I remember when I was in math class, I liked math. Um, I, I have a background in computers and math. And so um, when I was in class, I would watch the teacher do equations, you know, Pythagorean theorem. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm a big nerd. This is cool. I get it. 
um, A plus B, you know, I, I'm blanking on it now, but um, yeah, thank you, whoever's over there. Yeah, that's awesome. Now can you do, okay, anyways, we're getting, um, but I, I would watch the teacher and, and my math teachers were pretty good. And so I, they were good at making what was complicated or complex look simple. And so I was like, yeah, I get this. This is no problem. And so my idea of my level of understanding was if I saw them do it and I, and I could understand what was happening, then I got it, right? And the funny thing is I, I, I got it until I got to the exam time, right? And all of a sudden, right, these concepts that seemed so clear, so understandable became muddled, right? I didn't actually have it. It hadn't been worked down into my soul. I hadn't done the homework, if I'm being completely honest, right? I haven't done the hard work of getting it into my brain. And the the exams were testing the genuineness of my understanding. See, that's the sort of thing that James is talking about right now, right? Trials are the way that God tests the genuineness of our faith, right? We think we've got it. Oh yeah, Jesus, you died for my sins. You rose again, defeating Satan's sin and death. You know, I'm atoned by the blood of the lamb. I'm justified by faith. I I live by faith. And then the moment the trial hits, all of a sudden we're like, God, where are you? Or, Or we begin to not just do that, but we begin to step out of the gospel and step into, how do I fix this? How do I, I pull myself up by the bootstraps? How do I, how do I de facto save myself? You know, we run to the various idols that we think that will save us. You know, I, I talk about driving because I'm, well, here we are anyways. Um, I don't have a bumper sticker on my car because I don't want people to know who I am. <laughs> my kids love WGTS 91.9 and they're like, daddy, let's get the bumper sticker. I'm like, maybe next year. <laughs> because, because I, 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 I know I know who I am. And, uh, but, but the thing is, so sometimes when I'm driving, and this is what I was trying to say is that I, I'm using this analogy because it's, it's, it's fresh. Um, but <laughs> thankfully, no, not this morning, but give it time. Come on, Jason, you're not helping. <laughs> but when we face trials, what, what functionally usually happens is that we we face the trial and we have an opportunity to run to God as our savior or run to something else. So for example, if I'm driving, you know, I'm on 28, it's a lovely road, 28 and nothing bad's happening. And someone cuts me off and all of a sudden I'm like, what are you doing? God help you. Praise the Lord. You know, I'm just, what is happening in that moment is I am reverting to idolatry and I'm exalting my own will and desire above everything else. Wherein, instead, God is calling me, what does it look like, Eddie, for you to face this trial in a way that recognizes that, that Jesus is Lord, not Eddie is Lord, right? It's easy to believe things when we haven't been tried. And, and that's okay. Can I just say that if you're here and you see things clearly and you think you understand it and you don't understand, that's an okay place to be. God will bring us to maturity. We don't have to pursue suffering or pursue trials. They'll come to us. 
But you know it's easy to believe that God can heal the sick, right? We believe that. We see it in the Bible. We see it until we end up with a sick child or until we find ourselves sick. It's easy to believe that in Christ we have all we need. I've got all we need. You know, the lilies of the field are beautiful and and God's gonna, he's gonna clothe me better than them, which I've never understood that passage, but um, I don't wanna look like a flower, but sure, okay. Um, But we, we believe that until we end up with more months than we have paycheck, right? And in those moments, we're being given an opportunity to trust God, to establish our faith in God, or to revert back to our trust in our our various idols. How you and I respond to trials, it says something about what we believe about God. Let me repeat that. How you and I respond to trials, it says something about what we believe about God, who we believe God is, what he's capable of, and, and I, don't mean to, I don't mean to diminish the reality of the challenges that you face. Some of you have come into this room and your kids are, you know, you're just trying your best to, to keep them alive. Maybe you're a single parent and you're just struggling or you, you come in, your marriage is falling apart and you don't really have the tool set to, to make it work or you, you've dealt with sickness in your life for you don't know how long. There's no diagnosis and you don't know how to get from point A to point B. I am not saying that when you come to Christ, trials then don't become trials. They, they're all of a sudden easy, right? There is no Staples easy button. Right? That, that's not a thing. They are difficult. I mean, that's, that's the point of a trial. But... What James is saying is that every time we are faced with a trial, whether new or old, whether maybe small in our own minds or gigantic and and overwhelming, whenever that happens, we are given the opportunity to trust God more deeply, to dive into how the gospel addresses that situation, and to, to display to the world how we trust God through our perseverance. If you're in Christ... Right? If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose again, defeating Satan, sin, and death, and uh, is, is seated at the right hand of God, and that you are in him, you are counted with him, that you by faith are connected to him, then you can trust that whatever trial you have, God will use it to develop steadfastness, to develop perseverance in you. It has a purpose. See, this is, this is, again, we see the, the Bible is reorienting the way we think, right? If you go to your friends who are unsaved or your coworkers and you talk to them about how, you know, what God's using this trial, he's shaping me in it, he's forming me, and they're like, you, you've got cancer and, and you're, you're talking about how God's forming? What's, you know, their, their, their response is going to be, what, what's God done for you? He's allowed you to have cancer. What, what is that? But the the Bible is calling us to a kind of faith that trusts God beyond our circumstance. Because when people see people suffering through trials and glorifying God, that's going to cause them to take note more than people worshiping God when they win the lottery. Right? That That makes sense. You don't have to teach a baby to be excited when you give them candy. They just get excited. I know candy. It comes up again. It's my life verse. Um, 
there's no candy life verse, I know, I'm sorry. Um, I completely lost myself just now. Yes, it, thank you. It, it, it makes sense um, to us. It doesn't make sense to the world when we experience suffering in a way that says, I trust you, God, no matter what. You know, in, in the psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on the earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart or my job, my friends, my family may fail me, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. No one will hear that when you're, when you're not struggling. It's when you're struggling, when you're pushing, when you're persevering in faith that people will look at you and say, I don't understand that. Can you imagine how strange, how strange it must look for someone who, who isn't thinking about eternity to see a Christian suffer joyfully? I mean, someone who has no framework for what happens after death and sees someone go through cancer and then die. Right? For them, that just, it, it doesn't make any sense. For them to, to see joy in, in the face of someone who's experiencing extreme suffering. Consider what kind of witness it might be for your coworkers to see you act with integrity at the cost of a promotion because you know that God's developing perseverance and that's more important than, than whether you'll eat or drink or what you'll wear, right? When the world sees your joy in the midst of suffering, they get a picture of Christ. In Hebrews, it talks about this. In chapter 12, the writer says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and, and let us run the, with endurance the race set, that, that is set before us. And listen to this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of, of our faith, who, our example, for the joy that was set before him did what? Endured the cross despising the shame and because of that is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When people see us face trials with joy and with perseverance, they see Christ. That is your witness to them. This is why this, is why this matters, right? Why does God care whether or not I get angry when someone is driving down the road? Why does God care whether or not I, I, I you know, I give in to a lustful glance. Why does God care if I, I say a small gossipy word? Why does God care about what seems like small, insignificant things? Or why does God care if, if I pray for my kid who just has the cold, but I'm going to pray in faith? He cares because these are small building blocks to the image of Christ in your life. You and I can rejoice in trials, not because God has somehow made them not trials, but because we know that, that God's going to accomplish something through it. And so in, in verse two, we're, we're given the disposition that we ought to have, joy. 
In verse three, he gives us this radical reason for, for that joy, namely that God uses trials to produce genuine faith that perseveres. And in verse four, James calls us to persevere to the end. James finishes this little section by saying that we ought to let steadfastness or perseverance have its full effect. Another way of putting this would be to say that we ought to persevere in faith to the end. This perseverance that James is talking about, it's a, it's a process, and the process has a goal. It has an end. It has, it has a, a, an image that, that's going to happen at the, at the end. You know, there's a famous quote. Uh, it's attributed to Michelangelo, the, um, the Italian artist, not the Ninja Turtle. Um, <laughs> although, that it, and it says, Every block of stone has a statue inside it, and it's the task of the sculptor to discover it. Michelangelo was saying that when he looked at a block of stone, he saw within it the image he wanted created. And every cut with the chisel was a step closer to that final image. You see, you and I are blocks of stone, right? God, through our trials, is is chiseling away at us. And that's why it hurts, right? This is an apt analogy. God is taking a blade to your life, right? Jesus talks about pruning, Pruning is cutting parts of a plant off, right? That never feels good. I'm glad plants can't feel things. Actually, it'd be really frightening if plants could feel. But anyways, um, <laughs> so we're, we're blocks of stone. <laughs> um, and God's chiseling us away. And there's an image that, there's a picture, there's a sculpture that he's forming inside of us. And, he, and James describes it with three phrases, three, two words in one, one phrase. Perfect complete and lacking nothing. Let me read it. And let your steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Um, the word for perfect here, it has to do with moral purity, right? In the Greek version of the, of the Old Testament, the same word was used to describe the sacrifices and, and the, the priests who were unblemished, right? Moral purity. When we persevere in faith, we grow in purity toward God. Right? It purifies us. I mean, you can see, if you're, if you're a young believer, you, you can see it in the eyes of an old believer. They, they just walk differently. They see things differently. There's a purity about them. The second word, complete, has to do with wholeness. It has to do with God taking what was broken in, in the fall and redeeming it and bringing it back to the wholeness, to the peace that was originally intended. Having persevering faith, it, it allows us to be changed and redeemed in our thoughts, our desires, our actions, our whole being. And the final phrase, lacking nothing, um, in this, James tells us that, that through perseverance, God is going to equip us for all of life, right? James, he's talking in pretty open terms, but he says that, that you will be lacking nothing as it relates to, to this life of faith that you have to live, right? Do you need strength? God's going to equip you through perseverance. Do you need more faith? God's going to equip you. Whatever you need, God's going to equip you. You will lack nothing, and, and although James doesn't state it explicitly here, the image that he presents is, is of one who is perfect, whole, and equipped. It's the image of Christ. 
right? By, by your faith-filled perseverance, by you day in and day out trusting God in the midst of your difficult circumstances, God purifies you and he makes you like Christ, the spotless lamb. By your, by your faith-filled perseverance, God redeems us and makes us whole like Christ, unbroken by our sin, you know? And by our faith-filled perseverance, God is ensuring that we lack nothing to live this Christian life. As we trust in God in the midst of our trials, we are actively persevering, right? This is not just patience, right? Patience is a passive thing. The, the word here, uh, it's steadfastness. It, it speaks to a push, pushing in the face of trial. God transforms us through this pushing and he transforms us into the image of God. So some of you have come and, and you've heard this and, and my, my deepest encouragement to you is, is yes, God will use it, but at the base level, rather than despair, God offers joy, right? Let's be honest. Life is hard. Life is, life is hard. And, and the gospel has an answer for it, but it doesn't make it not hard. But, but the, the, the amazing thing about the gospel is that even in our darkest moments, we have reason for hope. And so if you're here and you are in the middle of your trial, you are in your crucible, you, are, you feel the heat. Your temptation in that moment might just be unbelief. God, I don't see you. I don't know you. I don't understand where you are. And what James is saying is trust him. You don't see him. You may not feel him, but you can trust him. He's been faithful in the past. He's been faithful throughout redemptive history. And he's, he's going to be faithful. Trust him. Some of you feel beaten, worn down. Don't let your, your experience and the reality of your circumstance distract you from the fact that God is at work in you. Right? It's, it's such a... Have you ever tried to fix a car by yourself? It's the most depressing thing that, that there is. There's just something about someone else struggling with you. You know, as you try to figure out where the alternator ought to plug back into the cylinder coil. I'm just making stuff up. Um, but, but it's true that, that there's just something about knowing that someone is struggling with you. If you're here and you're struggling, God is with you. Don't despair. Grab hold of this. When we face challenging circumstances this week, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? We're not who we will be, but, but we're, we're much better off than we were. God, God's calling you and me not just to make it through the week, although sometimes that's what we do, right? Sometimes we're just like, let me get to Sunday or let me get to Monday. But let me encourage you, step out in faith and rejoice even if it feels weird. Step out in faith and push even when it's hard and trust 
that he's doing something in the midst of it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us. I pray that you would, you would impress upon us your love so that we might be encouraged in our faith. Lord, I pray that, that we would be able to step out in faith, trusting the God who loves us. That this week in the small things and the big things that we would say, it's, it's all you, God. I'm, I'm believing you. I'm stepping away from my idols. I'm stepping uh, forward toward you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a disposition of joy, that we would rest in the reality that, that you're working that perseverance in us. And I pray that we would respond in faithful, persevering steadfastness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.